Welcome to the Minnesota Hockey Podcast. The goal of our pods is to give our followers a taste of how great the game of hockey is here in Minnesota. Speaking of great, if you haven't already, do yourself a favor and check out the Minnesotan. You can visit their flagship store in historic downtown White Bear Lake or on the web at theminnesotan.com. On today's show, we will sit down with Heather Rule, freelance journalist who works both in the baseball and hockey uh, as uh, for the MLB.com for Sports Engine and Minnesota Hockey Magazine and other related entities. Should be a fun show. Hope you enjoy it. Love is a burning thing. And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire Good afternoon, Heather. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's a Monday, so we're going to kind of fight through the Mondays and, and uh, you know, hear a little bit about who you are and how you got into the sports business or sports racket. Um, I... Uh, Known you a little bit working over at the state high school hockey tournament. I thought you would have a great story, and we did find out pre-show that you do have a great story, and I can't wait to share it. Awesome, Bob. <laughs> glad it glad it impressed you. Glad it, you know someone someone cares and thinks it's it's a good story. So <laughs> well, well, let's get started at the beginning because again, so a, a lot of these. A lot of people, as you know, um, I, I found out, first of all, that you're not 14 years old because you look very young um, <laughs> and you have a great path so far to where you are early on in your career. Um, you grew up in Andover or, or Anoka, one of the two, and uh, went to Andover High School. When did you graduate there? Uh, 2005. Okay. So I was one of the one of the first classes out of out of Andover, the first full full class I started there as a as a sophomore when the school opened. Okay. And then, and you went to Anoka schools before that, correct? Yes. Yes. The very crowded Anoka high school in my freshman year, which was uh, exhibit a as to why Andover was, was opening the next year. Um, yeah. We definitely needed it. So, so after graduation, you went to St. Thomas, uh, university of St. Thomas. And uh, what was the, what was the attraction to a, a private school here in town versus any other opportunities? What was, what was the attraction to St. Thomas? Well, I knew I wanted to stay pretty close to home and, you know, very close with my family and a, a homebody for sure. And so I knew I kind of wanted to, to stick around. And for St. Thomas, I, I mean, I'd kind of looked at a, a few of the different um, private schools around and, um, it kind of was down to St. Kate's or, or St. Thomas. And I kind of went with St. Thomas because my, that's where the journalism classes were going to be. I, I knew I wanted to do journalism and I figured, well, if, you know, I, I think there was a way if I went to St. Kate's, I could take journalism classes at St. Thomas. But I figured, well, I might as well just, just go there. Um, so, so I decided that that was, you know, where I wanted to go. Um, you know, it kind of just came down to the, to the journalism piece for me, really. So you're 18 years old, and you knew you wanted to be a journalist. What sparked it? I mean, what, what, I mean was it uh, the Today Show? Was it uh, reading the paper growing up? I mean, there had to be some kind of, you know, who, who did you, whose, whose footsteps did you want to follow in? 
Uh, well, it definitely wouldn't have been the Today Show because I knew I'm just, I didn't I'm wanna, coming up with I something. I didn't want to do video. No, no, right. I know. Um, I I knew I didn't want to do kind of the the on camera side. I I did I think a little bit of that in high school, like the um, the video announcements. Um, I think was one of the the classes, and so I did that. I just you know I didn't think that would be the fit for me, but I always liked writing. Um, so I knew I wanted to do, do something with that and, um, got to give credit to my mom too, because she encouraged me and even in middle school to, you know, join the newspaper staff, the yearbook staff, um, in, in school. So I did that in middle school and high school as well. Um, was one of the first editors of the high school newspaper there at Andover. And so I kind of just took off from there because I, I knew I liked writing and I always loved English class and. So that was kind of what got me started um, into the journalism track. And then once I got to St. Thomas, I got on the student newspaper there and discovered how much I really enjoyed writing sports stories rather than just, you know, other news and feature stories. So at St. Um, Thomas, you're covering Division Three sports. Um, what were some of the most uh, the, the the epic moments there, and what was some kind of the low moments? Like, oh, I gotta go cover a tennis match or or something. I don't know. You actually played tennis in high school, so that was probably pretty cool. Was there something that was like, that's gonna be kind of lame, and then there's something that would be kind of cool too. Well, I think I was drawn, and a lot of what we did too with with the weekly paper was um, uh, a lot of feature type stories. I mean, if a team was doing well, we'd kind of check in with the coach and a few of the players and. So I remember it wasn't necessarily going and going to games and, and covering games so much, but um, I think what was kind of cool was that most of the teams that we covered at that time and still now too were were pretty good. You know, it wasn't like we were covering oh well this team is just awful, right? Um, except the the football team actually they which, were not good, right? No, they were not good when I was there. They were two and eight, I think, um, the the year before the current coach, um, coach Caruso, um, took the job there, but yeah, the football team was, was not good. They were, you know, I mean, it wasn't anything that people on campus really talked about very much other than, you know, football just in general is, is a draw and, you know, kind of the homecoming aspect and the Tommy Johnny game was always a big deal. Um, yeah. even though they, they didn't win. <laughs> did you get a, um, did you get a sense being from Andover public school, there was a little bit of this, I got a sense of it myself having some friends who went to both St. Thomas and St. John's that there was this kind of this, this, this St. Paul private school connection, a ton of kids from St. Paul private schools would go to St. John's or St. Thomas and they had kind of their own little rivalry. And then you were kind of part of it, but not really part of it. Um, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily got that sense exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, I knew um, some, some other students who went, you know, came from Creighton or, you know, right. any other private schools. But, I mean, there were a lot of kids from kind of the, the suburb schools, too. You know, kids coming in from Wyzetta yeah. or Ann Prairie, um, stuff like that. And which kind of led to, I mean, the thing you noticed a lot at that time was, you know, I, I lived on campus my entire time there. But you would see on the weekends, you know, it would be kind of dead on campus. It was sort of a, you know, a lot of students went home for the weekend and, um because a lot of a lot of them came from kind of those those outer suburbs like that. So right. that I think that's what maybe I noticed more. I don't know that ne there was necessarily any 
kind of a rivalry with that at all. But. Yeah, it just seemed like I, every all my friends who went there had friends who went to Creighton or St. Thomas, and they all kind of had their own little built-in rivalries before we even stepped in the door. I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. And I liked it. I thought that was neat. The St. Thomas-St. John's rivalry is something that the state is, is very special in this state. Yeah, yeah, that's it's a lot of fun. I went to the the game a couple of years ago um, that was at, played at Target Field um, with the Tommies and Johnnies and um, went to the the one last fall at Allianz Field too. So it's it, and when it was at St. I I have never actually gotten up to St. John's to to watch them play there, but you know at St. Thomas it was just you know the place was packed. They bring in all these extra grandstands and. It's just a really fun atmosphere. So even when, you know, even when I was there and we pretty much knew they probably weren't, you know, going to have a shot at winning. I mean, it was still fun to, to go and kind of be in that atmosphere. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Um, okay, we can't do a St. Thomas bit without talking about uh, their move uh, maybe to Division One, and and them getting kicked out of the MIAC. Which one do you want to talk about first, the the, the booting or, or them, them moving up to Division One? What are your thoughts on those topics? Um, let's talk about the the booting first. <laughs> right. So out. you got booted um, out of the MIAC after, I'm guessing, at least – 80 years of being involved in that conference and a flagship member of that conference, many national titles, uh, many conference titles, lots of success and to, to, to no fault of your own too much success. That didn't go over well for the MIC. Did you think? I didn't think so. No, I, I didn't understand it. Just, I mean, there just seems to be so much going on. There's some double standards and, I mean, the funny thing, you know, like I, I mentioned, football wasn't very good when I was there, but all of the other sports were, you know, there were, I mean, the hockey team did well, the baseball, softball, soccer, I mean, all of these other teams, basketball team, I mean, they had all this other success, all these other conferences, they were a leader in all these other sports. And it seemed like, okay, no one really cared until, you know, the past, not even a decade or so, the football team got good with the coaching change, created this great program but now it's like okay well that that's too much we we can't have you doing that and running up you know running up the score um right but then you look at st john's it's like well how long has st john's had a good football team you know and i and and i kind of look at it as you know three teams really bethel has had a good football very program the past few years as as well i mean they're right in the mix as far as um you know, successful programs. They've been St. Thomas. They've, you know, made the, made the postseason, And, um, you know, so it's not even just St. John's and, and St. Thomas kind of in that football conversation, just taking a look at football. But, you know, I, I mean, you, you kind of hear about some of the things that, you know, there was that St. Olaf game, the 97 to nothing or whatever it was. And yes. I mean, yeah. Is that a little ridiculous? Yeah, okay. I mean, you could make that argument. Yeah, I'm sure that that's not really a fun game for anybody, but is that a reason to kick a school out of the conference? I mean, no. I don't I don't think so. No. I mean, you know, that's that's a little overkill for something that to me is just such a small sample size. You're talking about a, a century or, you know, whatever it is, and it's like, okay, well, you had a few years here where you're good at football. Um, still haven't won a national title, though. No. I mean, they, they played in the national championship games but Once. they yeah they they weren't successful they didn't win um you know you're always going to have like mount union and whitewater you're always going to have those powerhouses 
Right. Um, so it's not like you can say, oh, well, St. Thomas, you know, you won four national titles in a row. Get Time to move three. on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't even use that argument either. So, yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> all right. Uh, now let's talk about the, again, all COVID related. Let's just say that COVID is, is a hoax or whatever. Let, let, we can talk about it in reality and it might not be. And, and, and I think college athletics are in, in a lot of trouble, but let's just say that, that, that this passes quickly and St. Thomas is able to potentially go division one in summer, all sports. What are your thoughts? Did you ever think that was possible when you were attending there 10, 15 years ago? Uh, no, <laughs> not at all. Um, and you know, I, I get why they, you know, whatever, there's a bunch of reasons why they would make that job. I think initially people were like, well, why won't you just go to D2? And there's, um, a lot of reasons why you would make the jump from D3 to, to D1. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't really see how that's going to be beneficial, you know, maybe from a football standpoint. Okay. But you know, you, you look at all these other sports and, you know, the basketball and hockey and um, baseball, softball, soccer. I mean, I, you know, swimming to all these other, all these other athletics that are at the school and not just football. And I feel like this was a very, you know, it was a decision kind of based on, on football. Really? I I thought that was the one that we're going to struggle with the most. I thought that, especially if you look at basketball and hockey, both men's and women's on both sides. I think that uh, that school is sitting right in the middle of, I mean, think about it. The University of Minnesota has had a stranglehold on hockey to some degree, but basketball for sure, with no other Division One program to kind of take some of their players. Well, you know, I think it's from, right. a, from a su- athletic success I think they can have it, you know, financially. I don't know enough about the finances of putting that together, right? Well, yeah, yeah, and I guess I, I mean, it, I think it's, I think it would probably hurt from the other sports perspective to go to D one. I guess yes. Um, for for football, I mean, I I just feel like it's different for for football versus the other athletics just I agree. based on, on the program that's been created there now. Um, not taking away from any of those other sports. Obviously they're very successful and good, but I feel like in a way, maybe they're going to get punished for, for the success of the football program. If, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I think so too. You know, so I, I'm not really sure. I haven't looked in depth at kind of all the, the scenarios and, you know, which conference they would land in and that kind of thing. I'm excited um, from, but, as a hockey writer perspective, if this ever happened to have a division one school here in the twin cities and think about it. You know, we, we talked about your, you know, the YZ kids or whatever, they have an opportunity to play division one hockey basically in their hometown. And I think that they would immediate, both schools would be immediately successful in hockey. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. Cause I think similarly with, with football, I think there's a lot of kids that maybe, you know, aren't necessarily good enough to make a, a prominent D1 roster somewhere, but they've been able to stay nearby, you know, play for St. Thomas, get a good education, um, you know, the good faith background too. Um, yeah. So that's, I mean, I, I think there's some, some benefit to that too. Kind of, you know, it's a place where successful athletes who are maybe like great in high school, standouts in high school, but 
you know, not everyone's going to get that D1 college scholarship. You know, there's there's a place for them at, at St. Thomas. So. I think so. That's I think it's an interesting dynamic that would be uh, it would present challenges to to the University of Minnesota, which present challenges to North Dakota State's football team. I think it would present challenges that uh, that uh, I think St. Thomas, with everything they've done at their school, with, with building the grad school downtown, and and I, I just really think that that's a very successful school and everything everything they've done. And I don't think that it would. I think it would be successful moving forward five to ten years from now, uh, once they got it up and on the ground. But again, with this COVID thing, COVID stalemate that we're in who knows if that is even on the table anymore yeah there's there's so much that you know during during these covid times that i'm kind of you know trying to to pay attention and keep myself kind of informed but you know not not to an overkill point either because sometimes it can just be so daunting to kind of try to go through all the possibilities and the what ifs and you know well what about this and is this going to come back and you know, are kids going to be able to return to school in the fall? And what about sports? And so just, um, yeah, I, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how this all all shakes out and what's, what's going to happen. You know, I saw a story what, you know, U of M coaches are, you know, they were taking pay cuts because obviously all of these, you know, colleges and athletics, I mean, everyone's, Right, losing money right during this time when everything shut down. So that's scary. You um, think about it. Yeah, uh, the NCAA basketball tournament and uh, college football are what pay the paychecks of every college yeah. uh, athlete and college college coach. And we've already lost one of them, which was basketball a few uh, a couple months ago, and and now football is potentially in jeopardy of losing all their fans. I think they're going to still play the games potentially without fans in the stands. Could you imagine? Imagine covering a game or if even if we're allowed to cover a game where there's no fans in the stands. Yeah, it'll definitely be weird. Um, you know, the I guess one of the closest things I can think of is, you know, some of the, the Twins games when they have, you know, maybe a, a rained out game or they play a doubleheader or rescheduled game the next day or something. So like right. a, a noon game on a Thursday that wasn't supposed to be happening. Um, and you have a really, really sparse crowd or, you know, a crowd that's waited out a rain delay and you're playing at 10 o'clock at night, you know, in the third inning. Um, that's so you, so you have a much, much smaller crowd. I mean, it's not completely empty, but it's to the point where you can, you know, someone starts cheering or, you know, shouting something, you can hear it like you're in a school gymnasium, even though you're in a major league stadium, just because there's just not that many people. So the sounds are kind of heightened and. Um, so to have no one, I think, would be. I saw something. I saw, saw something last night that the they're going to put the baseball players not in the dugout. They're going to put them in the stands. Is that the craziest yeah, thing I've ever I, heard? I, I I'm think like, I what? heard that, that too, or, or at least some of them, like you know, because they're talking about these maybe expanded rosters, right? Um, like, so like the guys that wouldn't be playing would be sitting in the stands, or. Yeah, yeah, like in the front row, it just the whole thing is super bizarre. Right. Um, yeah. You mentioned a good education at St. Thomas. You got a good education, and after after you graduate in three and a half years, by the way, um, you you uh, were in a tough time. It was in the, right at the beginning of the two thousand eight uh, recession. It was jobs were hard to find. Tell them what your this is my favorite part. Uh, tell them what your uh, major was uh, at uh, St. Thomas. <laughs> Uh, yes, that would be print journalism. What's print again? Um, Can you explain to me what print is? Is yeah, that where they so, do all this paper? 
<laughs> yes, there's these things called newspapers um, that we, you know, used to, to print. And um, so, yeah, by the time I graduated, so the, they used to have separate departments at St. Thomas for journalism and communications. Yep. And by the time I graduated, those departments merged together. Um, so it was all one, and they kind of revamped all of the major tracks, I guess, or concentrations. And so by the time I graduated, I was kind of grandfathered into my print journalism right. um, major. And I, I ended up taking, you know, a, a web design class and, you know, a couple of audio, an audio class, a video class, because I could kind of see the writing on the wall a little bit. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, so I, it was print journalism. And then I think it was a year after I graduated, um, they actually stopped printing the, the weekly newspaper and they just turned it into a student run um, website, a media website, uh, Tommy Media. So. And you had a string of these things getting closed right as you left kind of thing, right? Like you, you, you got a full-time <laughs> job in, in Austin with Austin Post Bolton. That got shut down, right? Yeah, yes. That was, um, so I was there about a, a year and a half or so. Um, doing news reporting, city council, education beats, um, that type of thing is my first main reporting job. And um, Austin is an interesting, interesting town in southern Minnesota. There's, you know, it's pretty diverse. There's, um, it's actually very, at that time, it was very media saturated, too. There's the Austin Daily Herald, which is the newspaper that's been in town for you know, 100 years or whatever. Yeah. And they're three TV stations locally that kind of cover the area to one out of Mason city, Iowa. Um, um, and then two kind of based out of Rochester. And so it was very media saturated. Um, they tried giving it a go with an Austin zero of the post bulletin. And then at the end of 2012, closed it down. Um, so I was laid off from there. Yep. Um, and, and then, then I, yep. Go ahead. Go then ahead. you went to Albert Lee, right? Well, yeah, I was in Albert Lee for, I guess, a cup of coffee, as they say. Like um, it, yeah. Just for, for a little bit, and that kind of got me back to some sports, um, covering some high school sports there. And from there, one, um, one of their sister papers was in Fergus Falls. So I moved up to Fergus Falls for another year and a half or so, doing more news reporting, um, city council, community news, crime, you know drugs and murder and all that stuff. Well, there's a lot of murders in, in Fergus Falls, I can imagine, right? Well, there was there was one. Really? I, yeah. I think it, it happened before I got there, but then while I was there as a reporter, there was a, they finally made arrests in the case. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a fam family situation. I think the, um, what was it? The son murdered the dad and brother or something. I, I forget now exactly. Crazy. But. Yeah, but well, that's a whole lot different than sports, isn't it? Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, it's the <laughs> the different um, type of reporting with, with the crime stuff, but the the news things and some of the community stories and stuff I learned are not they're not always entirely different because a lot of times you know you think sports reporting, yeah, you're covering games and stuff, but a lot of what it gets down to is you're telling people stories. Right. So I mean, there's you know, some similarities there too with what I would do in kind of the community news versus sports profiles of athletes and things like that. 
eventually you get a fairly high-profile job, but it's not technically journalism. We'll get to that in a second. But you get a job working for MLB. Explain to our listeners what your job is, your freelance gig at MLB.com is. Sure, yeah. So it's a kind of a unique position, What why I always say. Um, I work very closely with the Minnesota Twins mm-hmm. social media department. Um, but I technically work for Major League Baseball. And in 2015, it was kind of a pilot program. Um, you know, we're kind of called in-game social media coordinators. And it was me and there were five other people doing the same thing for other teams. Um, mostly what I do is during the Twins games, I'm on Twitter posting for the, the Twins account. Um, it's kind of evolved over the years from starting with just really basic like game updates and scoring updates to posting videos, you know, home run videos and, you know, as close to real time as we can get posting a lot more gifts and kind of getting more creative with, with things right. um, along the way. So, um, What is the, is, now what, what people don't understand is this is uh, 162 uh, gigs for you in, in theory, right? Cause you're paid, uh, not necessarily by the game, but you're paid for each game, right? Yes. Home, yeah. So home and away. You you you're at Target Field mm-hmm. for home games and work from home. I'm guessing for the um, away games. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I do the the road games. Like I always say, I work you know from my couch for for the road games, watching those on TV and just kind of updating the the same as I would if if I'm at the ballpark. So unlike when I get to the, uh, the PR versus journalism, so you aren't necessarily reporting uh, as a journalist, but you're using your skills as a journalist to write communication essentially for the twins or for major league baseball. Do you see the line there sometimes? Is there a fine line between the two or, or explain that a little bit? Yeah, it's, you know, it's not something I even think I realized going in. Um, I just knew that, I mean, it was it was sports, and I had really kind of embraced um, social media uh, over the years as that's kind of grown. And, um, you know, I definitely my background is, you know, the, the writing, obviously. And um, there's some other people doing what I'm doing for other teams, but maybe their background is, is different, and they're in graphic design, or, you know, they have a bigger right. strength with maybe taking photos or, you know, editing photos. Um, and, and each team is kind of different too, with, as far as what they need from, um, a person in my position based on just kind of the staffing and how they want to split up, um, split up the responsibilities. But it's for me, yeah, I, I don't know if there's necessarily a hard line, but it was interesting. Cause I kind of figured out, okay, this, you know, this isn't going to be, you know, writing tweets about things that happen if they're negative. You know, if right. someone hits a grand slam against the twins, like, I'm not going to post about that. That's what I was going <laughs> to ask know? you that. Like, like, how do you – you still need to give them an update of what's going on. Like, if the twins are winning four, three to nothing, and then all of a sudden the Tigers hit a grand slam, how do you address the, the grand slam on Twitter, yeah. on, on twins.com? Now it's four to three, right? Well, a lot of times, it, it you know, some of it is just kind of going silent for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and what I what I did kind of the first few years, and it was a little more, 
you know, wanting to keep people updated, I started doing a, like, you'd always post when the game starts, kind of just, we call it like play ball, you know, right. um, some, something generic. And then, um, you know, if scoring happens or, you know, you can update other things or post photos, but I would usually try to do a score update um, after three innings and after six innings. And then oh, okay. we, we always do a final score. So if they win, we kind of make it more creative and we have a GIF or a graphic or something. And um, obviously it's more exciting. Um, but even if they lose, we just do a basic like final and then, you know, we have the score. Um, so like if they lose, you know, nine to five to the, you know, final Indians, nine twins, five, and that's it. So sometimes what would happen is maybe, you know, maybe the twins would score early and they'd have a lead. And then if the game gets out of hand or something, um, you know, I had situations where maybe I updated after three innings and then the next tweet would be the final score. Um, yeah. Cause they're just really, I mean, it gets to point too, if it's, if it's really a blowout and then someone hits a home run in the ninth inning, you know, a solo home run. Okay, great. Now it's, 12 to two, you know, that's not necessarily something I would post about either. You kind of have to gauge the moment, I guess. Right. Um, you know, if that's, there's a big difference between a, a walk off home run or a home run to take the lead versus a home run in the ninth inning, which, you know, isn't going to make much of a difference, you know, unless there's a, a miracle comeback, then you, then you start posting, but yeah. And, and no one really cares either. I mean, you, you have to, you have to, you have to kind of right. have a, a social media um, uh, thermometer too, correct? Like you don't want to overdo it, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, that happens sometimes too if you post something and, you know, you can kind of gauge by the by the engagement on, on a tweet, you know, how many people are, are invested, how many people maybe turn the game off. You know, if, if they're losing nine to nothing in, in the third inning, um not a lot of people are maybe going to watch till the end of the game. Um, yeah, but I'm still going to be there posting. Especially so. on the road in Seattle and Oakland and California, right? Like we're talking yeah. late night hours. And if there's a speck of rain, you're up till two, three in the morning sometime. Yeah, I've had, I've had a couple of those. I think there was at least one or two. I remember there was one in, in Kansas city a couple of years ago. They, I think they had a rain delay plus the, um, the ballpark lights went out, I think, because it was after midnight or something and they were on some kind of a timer. Wow. <laughs> and so they had played so long that um, the lights went out, so we had to wait for that as well. So That's kind of <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, there's, there's been a few of those. Um, but I'm, as people who know me will tell you, I'm a night owl, so I don't, I don't necessarily mind some of those either. <laughs> All right, so we go back to the PR journalism. So you have also a journalism uh, part of your job as well. That's called the, the freelance side of it. We'll, we'll spend some time there. So after the twin season ends, you kind of pick up and you start working for the Star Tribune, Sport Engine, uh, Minnesota Hockey Magazine, and you're covering a variety of sports, you know, tennis and basketball and hockey for Minnesota Hockey Magazine, some hoops for Brad over at Sport Engine. Uh, walk through some of the excitement from October to April that you kind of come across. Yeah, it's it's definitely, I, I kind of like to split it up that way. You know, it's sort of a tale of two seasons. I mean, the freelancing is kind of never, you know, it doesn't necessarily stop, but I'm obviously busier with twin stuff during the season. Um, you know, October, I kind of start out with, you know, maybe a couple of high school football games and kind of get into 
some section in state playoffs, um, you know, tennis. I've done vol- uh, state volleyball for a few years now. Now, that's um, pretty exciting. I mean, uh, my uh, yeah. daughter's friends were uh, involved in an epic section final with um, St. Louis Park and Jefferson this past fall and went to five games, went to the extra, and I was, like, sweating at the end. It was so much, so in, so intense. Is it like that th- even in the state tournament, too? I mean, it just seems super exciting to me. Yeah, it it, it is. Um, volleyball, and that's, um, you know, it was something I, I had watched a little bit of, I think, um, Andover had a, a decent volleyball team when, when I was in school and, and college. So I think they made it to state a couple of times, but yeah, it's, it's just interesting to see how, I mean, athletic those girls are and how exciting it is to every point, you know, it's yeah. just, especially in that, that fifth game, you know, it's first to 15 and, um, and I've covered the class double a, uh, championship, um, for the past couple of years for volleyball and North branch, I think it was a year ago when they won, I think each of their term, or if it was each of their three matches at state went five games. And I, I think it was at least one of, or maybe it was that they had to come back. I'm trying to remember now, um, but that they were down like two sets to one um, and, and had to come all the way, all the way back and, you know, to, to win the championship, but just, you know, some of those players when they go up, you know, for the kills at the net, it's just, amazing to, uh, the, to see what they're able to pull off the so, athleticism yeah. was 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 staggering to me and i, I not that i was yeah. expecting bad at but i was like wow i was blown away they, they exceeded my expectations right. for their athleticism now you work some uh regular season hockey uh both boys and girls uh walk through a tr- uh what you're what you're doing when you're covering a high school hockey game for the star tribune or or sports engine sure so for um for sports engine, which is most of the the regular season coverage that I do, it's yep. um I, I kind of go into it with you know I'm, I'm usually focusing on you know a couple of top teams or kind of one of their premier matchups for the week that they maybe want to focus on and kind of go into it you know doing my homework a little bit kind of trying to figure out the teams because a lot of times I mean I cover you know it's just kind of a game by game thing I might you know see this team just once all year and this this might be it so kind of go into it, you know, getting the lay of the land, figuring out, okay, what's the deal with this team, you know, top scores, you know, what did they do? Did they go to state last year? Um, kind of trying to find those storylines. And um, then I go cover the game, um, do usually keep um, stats updated on, on the website too. So I'm, I'm commenting and tweeting during the game, um, making, you know, updating the, the penalties and the scoring on, on the website. That um, keeps you busy, doesn't it? Being the scorekeeper, it does. Some sometimes, oh, yeah. I, I had a imagine. game. I always go back to. I had a game um, a year ago, January. It was, I think it was nine to six was the final, and there Oof. were a ton of penalties. So I didn't watch a whole lot of that game um, because I was trying to keep up with entering in the the penalties and and all the scoring. So it wasn't, uh, wasn't exactly the cleanest, <laughs> the cleanest game, but that was, um, I think it was St. Cloud Cathedral boys against, I believe it was Orono. Um, yeah, that was a big and, game. And, so I don't know about penalties, ca- but that's a crazy game. Yeah. And that was when Cathedral, so Cathedral went on to win the state title, but that was, I, I think, what it, and they ended up winning that, that game nine to six, but I, you know, I think that was one of their not so great efforts. The, 
the coach I think had t- told me afterward, like, yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't our <laughs> definitely best. wasn't a, wasn't a clean game, but. You also do some freelance work for Minnesota Hockey Magazine and mostly features type stuff. So who are some of the players that stand out when you're writing a feature that just seem uh, as good as advertised as the as you see on TV? Um, so yeah, the past couple seasons now I've done um, some of the wild um, wild beat beat reporting, but you know much more features rather than covering every game or every practice right. um, for for Minnesota hockey. But um, you know Nick Nick Sealer was someone that I've talked to a few times in in the locker room after practice. Um, you know I I did a a feature I was kind of talking about Hockey Day Minnesota and you know his time when he played for Ian Prairie, you know, on, on hockey day. And, you know, he recalls the, the chicken wire right. <laughs> up, um, when they were playing outdoors and, um, so yeah, he's, you know, he's, he was always a, a nice guy when I, I talked to him. I think it was, you know, too bad this, this season, the way it worked out just kind of roster wise and yeah. with, with his playing time. But, um, but yeah, he was always, always really good to talk to and, you know, and a lot of those players too are really, you know, willing to to be open and and kind of give you give you a little bit of time. And um, and I talked to Alex Stalock too. Um, I did a Minnesota little piece. Guy. Yeah, yeah. I I did a piece about um, the 2003 Wild team. I talked to Wes Walls for that. Yep. And talked to Alex Stalock because you know he's a Minnesota kid. I think uh, around my age or so. So I yeah, kind of asked him close. about. You know, I'm like, well, so were you, you know, up late watching these games? And, you know, cause I remember I was in, you know, I was in school and stayed up late to watch some of those West Coast games. Yeah. And strolling in all tired the next morning when I had to get up for school. But, um, so yeah, he was, you know, really fun to talk to about kind of those different memories of being full circle for him, you know, being a fan watching those. And now kind of that, that rivalry with Colorado is kind of what my, my story was focused on there just because. You know, from my standpoint, that's one of the bigger rivalries the the Wild have had over the years. Um, just because yeah, even agree. with the divisions being realigned, like Colorado has still been there. They've faced in the playoffs a, a few times. So, um, yeah, he was he was <laughs> definitely willing to share some of his thoughts as well. Oh, that's good. So um, let's talk about a, a couple of your personal uh, interests. You know, I, I know in your bio, I think on Twitter, it says you cover IndyCar racing. Now we're going to talk about sexism. We're going to talk about women in, in the business. Now, IndyCar racing isn't necessarily, isn't NASCAR and IndyCar a fairly male dominated audience? Is that, is that fair to say or no? Um, I guess I don't know what audience per exactly. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I suppose. I'm guessing there's not a lot know, of Dove sure. and Dawn ads during uh, IndyCar races. <laughs> well, yeah, that that's true. Um, you know, I'm guessing there's yeah. some Bud Light ads. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, um, I I think for me and and for a lot of people, it's kind of a something that has passed down from generations. Cool. Um, like for me, for me, my dad has been a fan since he was like five years old. You know, he back when the Indy 500 was. You know, he listened to it on the radio. Um, and, you know, because I, you know, I didn't realize till like a few years ago or something. I'm like, wait a minute, the Indy 500 wasn't even on TV, like live. And 
Oh no, it was on like a week later. They would ABC would do the wild wide, wide world, world of sports. sports. And, yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, he's watched it for all these years and um we grew up um going to a track in Wisconsin, uh Road America over near uh yeah. near near Sheboygan. And that was kind of one of our summer summer vacations. I, I kinda like to say like, well, you know, we're we're in Minnesota, we you know, we don't have a cabin or anything. We're not, you know, we don't go out fishing. We don't have a boat, but we would always, that was kind of our summer deal. We'd go for a long weekend and, yeah. and watch the Indy cars on this road course and, you know, watch, watch the races on TV. Um, we've been to a few, few other tracks too. Um, been to the Indy 500, um, a few times. My dad and I went, went last year. Um, so he, had, he has tickets to go, this year, which, um, which right now is postponed until good. August. Yeah, it doesn't look good, does it? Yeah, I I don't think it looks good for, for fans anyway. No. Um, so, but yeah, it's, it's kind of always just been something that I've grown up around watching. And so you just kind of, I don't know, you just kind of learn about it and are immersed in it. And it's, All right, so the next fun. question on the IndyCar is, have you done any work in the IndyCar field as far as your journalism background? Um, I, I did, well, I, I, I've written a lot of blog posts about it. So I started, I started my own sports blog in like 2009 after I graduated just to kind of keep up with writing, yeah. um, since I was, you know, job searching and all that. Um, so I put a lot of different stuff in my blog, but I also, um, I was the, <laughs> the Marco Andretti examiner for examiner.com. Yeah. Um, for that that website a few years back um so i did a little bit which was you know very similar to what i do with the twins from the standpoint of you just sit at home and you watch the race on tv and right you know, i'm kind of writing articles that way and grabbing some photos online and um so yeah that was my <laughs> that's kind of been the only thing i've done your only claim to fame but, well, explain yeah. what that means the marco andretti what, what does that mean um, so he's, what would it be? Third, uh, generation. At least, yeah. Andretti driver. Yeah. So, um, his dad's Michael, he, he owns one of the IndyCar teams now and Mario is his grand grandfather. Yep. Um, My generation. Won, <laughs> we, we would the, make uh, jokes as a kid. If you, if you were driving really fast or take a turn really hard, you would say Mario Andretti. Mario. That's what we'd say. Yeah. Mario, you know, not Mario Kart, Mario Andretti. Yeah. So now, what, yeah. are, what is, is she, I'm guessing Marco's his grandson, and he's racing. Are you doing only tweets yeah. about him or, or writing about him specifically? Is that what it is? Well, this was, I only did it, I think, the one year. I did it in 2010 Okay. Um, when, when he was racing. So I think, uh, I'm trying to remember now, I think I did stories that kind of like previewing the race and, you know, kind of wrote about qualifying, you know, where he qualified, and he... He hasn't had the success of his dad and his grandpa. He's right. only won a, a couple of races. So um, it was a lot of just kind of race recap stuff with, with a oh, focus on him and, and how it. the race kind of went for him, that, that type of thing. Cool. All right. So would that be, we're going to talk about your dream job. Would that be one of your dream jobs covering the sport you love the most, uh, a beat rider for, for IndyCar? Or is it, what, would, what exactly would your dream job look like? That's actually a good point. You know, that 
that would be fun, I think, to cook. Because that's not see, I already found it for it. That's why you came yeah. on today. We came on. This was yeah. a career <laughs> assessment. It really wasn't a podcast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, that I mean, because I haven't, um, you know, I, I haven't covered a race before as as a media member. You know, I've written stuff on my blogs, which is more just, again, just me sitting at home, kind of watching stuff and 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 writing about it, um, but. You know, being around and, and at Road America too, the road course, you have the chance fans can walk through kind of the paddock pit area and see the, the cars being worked on. And, you you know, every once in a while you kind of pick up, oh, hey, there's, you know, Marco Andretti or, you know, there's Chip Ganassi, you know, riding around in his scooter. And um, so it's, but it would be kind of fun to be on, on the media side of that too and, and see, um, you know, what, what that's all about. I, my dad and I took a, a track tour at Indianapolis a few years back. And one of the places they took us was the media center Yes, at, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And I was just like, so excited. Right. And we're in this group of other people and I could tell like nobody else cared really that we were in the media center. <laughs> and it was like a big deal to me. So I had my dad I'm like, well, here, like I happen to have a notebook. I'm like, dad, take my picture, like sitting here in the media center. So that was, I've been that there. was really, really fun. I went. Me. I had a business oh, a long time ago, and it, we were in Indianapolis for like two weeks, like yeah, like ten, like through the weekend type of business type of deal. And I'm like, let's go to Indy and at least get a tour. Let's get make something out of this trip. And it was a very fascinating tour. I learned a lot about the track and the history and the the pace cars and the, the, the media and the, the pit crews and they showed all the tires. I thought it was a really, that was probably the best time spent there. was, was getting that tour. Yeah. It's, it's fun. And they, they have um, a museum right there at at the track too. So like year round, I mean, you could go in and um, you know, see, they have some of the old cars on, on display. Um, I think we took it a few years ago when they had the 100th, running of the 500 and i think they had all the former um winning cars there kind of on display so right. it, it's fun to be able to go and and look at those and, and see some of the history um you know i i was like obviously i'm a racing fan so i i advise but i always tell people it's one of those things that you know if you get the chance to go to the indy 500 i mean it's i you know take it it's sort of a, a bucket list item it's the track is just so massive and to be there with all these other people and you yeah. know see the race and um you know the there's nothing like seeing and hearing the cars in in person too i mean it's yeah watching them on tv like just it's not it's not quite the same it, it doesn't do it justice so it's almost like it's hockey in, in some degree you know hockey's a good sport to watch on tv but in person it's just so fast and so exciting and so, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the momentum cha- can change and uh, that sport, the momentum can change in, in three seconds, four seconds. So that's why I like the, the game of hockey so much. Uh, let's talk about being a woman in a, a sports in, in an industry. And you pointed out pre-show is kind of funny that, you know, I, you don't see the difference. You see a lot of women in, in the press box. You see a lot of women in your industry. But the one spot you didn't say you see it much is at the boys state high school hockey tournament. Is that is is what is with our old boys club? Why can't why aren't we letting women in at the state high school hockey tournament? What what is what's behind that? I thought that was an interesting observation. 
Yeah, I, you know, I don't know what it is exactly. I think part of it is, you know, I just kind of look around and it is so, so, I mean, not packed the gills, obviously, but, you know, there is a lot of coverage. There's a lot of people in the press box for that boys tournament and just, you know, looking around a little bit, I realized, well, there's not really, you know, really that many other women here. I, you know, went down for the press conferences and a lot of times I'm the only Yep. women sitting there um you know there's maybe a few i mean i, I know a, a photographer for sports engine she's you know she covers the tournament and, cheryl right? um you know sometimes you'll get you know i know there's some female sports reporters that you know they're, TV du- they're duluth based i think they're you know. duluth based so in the hermantown yeah. or duluth east yep. there i see them so yeah so it's not yeah. completely male but i know exactly it never dawned on me yeah. until you pointed out to me. I'm like yeah there aren't any women up in the press box or are, are very, very yeah. few. That's, it is, it is staggering to see that. And I didn't realize it when I, when I brought up the topic. And it's, it's not like that's maybe the only place. I mean, there's certainly a majority of, uh, of men still covering other, other events. Um, one of the other things that I don't think I mentioned too, is um, I covered state swimming for the Star Tribune. I've covered that for the past few years. And, right. you know, that's another place where you see, um, you know, a lot of these maybe outstate um, sports reporters, editors coming in because they're following, you know, a certain swimmer, yeah. you know, schools. And, um, you know, typically that's a lot of guys, you know, too, doing those jobs. It's not necessarily something I, I noticed really, but I mean, that goes for both boys and girls. Yeah. Um, but I think that just kind of, you know, the way it is still, I think it's it's more, it's definitely accepted um, for, for women to be in the field, which I don't think that's how it was, you know, no. a few decades ago. Um, so that's really good. And I, I don't think, you know, we have to get to a point where it's like, okay, we need, you know, 50, 50, we need 50% women in here. You know, I don't think we need to go to that <laughs> extreme, but, you know, I do think there are more opportunities that if, if women want to get into the business and write about sports or cover sports, I mean, they can do that. There's not like these roadblocks like there used to be as far as, you know, well, women don't do this or you don't know anything about sports. So no, we're not letting you, you know, go cover sports. I think there's, you know, if it's something you want to do and you're passionate about, you can, you know, work hard and try and make that happen. It's weird. I was, uh, I just saw that Phyllis George, um, she was uh, on NFL today in the seventies. Right. And I remember even as a, 10 11 year old kid or whatever thinking someone like my mom is on sports talking my mom doesn't know anything about sports. like this is like my extremely sexist because this is the first right like you never there weren't a lot of women on tv talking about sports and i thought about her when she died and i go man she was such a pioneer now it's completely in my brain it was completely normal for women to talk about sports in every role, it could be an anchor. There, there are sports anchors. There are sideline reporters. There are writers. There are podcasters. There are rate people on radio. There are play-by-play. There's everything. Women have they've definitely run the gamut now in sports writing and sports reporting. And you're kind of lucky in some ways, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I... I you know that was one of the things I think I you know didn't didn't mention pre-show either but the um you know one of the other things I've done freelancing is I've written some children's books um 
Cool. And mostly focusing on sports. And one of the first ones I did was women in sports media. And so I heard about Phyllis Church the other day. I was like, Phyllis Church, like that? Oh, yeah. Like I had a little blurb in there and there's a photo of, of her um, because I wrote about, you know, kind of going back to the beginning. And as I was researching for this book, it was really fascinating to me to learn about these stories from these women that, you know, went through not even necessarily like harassment. And obviously, no. it, you know, decades ago, it wasn't even considered like a thing at all, but just some of these experiences of women, you know, not being let into locker rooms. And I think there was one situation even, um, I think she was covering a, a Viking game at, at, um, at the Met here, I think. And it was a blizzard, it was snowing and they like made her sit outside the press box and <laughs> yeah. in the cold. Um, you know, I, I think that was, you know, one of the stories and just, you know, the, the hurdles that these women had to, to go through and, you know, kind of really not be given credit for, for their knowledge at all. And just, you know, it's, it's something that, yeah, I, I am really lucky because, you know, people don't really bat an eye and I've, you know, had people tell me that they like, Oh man, you, yeah, you, you know about hockey and not, and not, not in a, you know, patronizing way or, no. or anything like that. It's just very, you know, they, they treat me as someone who's knowledgeable and it's, it's not like, Oh, well, but you can't be doing this because you're not a woman or, you know, you didn't play the sport. You know, that's um, one of the things that I get asked a lot. You know, I think you, you asked me in the pre-show is, Oh, did you, you know, play sports in, in high school? And I, assume, I assumed you were hugely athletic and turned yeah, out you're not just a tennis player, right? No, I mean, yeah, I, I always say I was much more of a spectator than an, than an athlete. I mean, I never considered myself an athlete. I, yeah, I played tennis. I, you know, um, was on a bowling league for, you know, a couple of years. I do that a little bit now. Um, I was, I took dance plus, you know, I was in dance class yep. um, for, for 10 years. Um but yeah, it was always more about watching it, you know, growing up watching, watching the wild, watching the twins. Um, that's kind of what it was for me. And right. so that's always an interesting question because it's like, well, no, I didn't really play in it. No, I don't play hockey. Um, <laughs> I really never even learned how to skate, actually. Um, but I love to watch it. And, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily like a prerequisite that, oh, well, you know, most women haven't really played football either, but that doesn't mean they can't be knowledgeable about football and, and write about it and, and talk about it. So it's, I'm of the firm belief that you didn't have to play in the NHL to coach it well either. You know, it's certain, certain people yeah. are like, well, what's, what are your qualifications to coach my child or my son or my daughter? And I'm like, well, I, I've coached a lot of people and have had a lot of success and, and that's all that really matters. You know, like, did, did I play in the NHL? Nope. Okay. Well then you're not qualified. There's a lot of people that do that, you know, they, that they want to, they want to talk you out of it, of, of, of chasing your dream. And you've, you seem to be doing a nice job at chasing your dream. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm trying. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been, it's been fun to, it's been fun to cover a lot of different sports too, yeah. I think. And, and what I've, done with with the twins and um freelancing you know that's that's the opportunities that kind of come up and that's 
you know, I tell people too with freelancing, I, I sort of just fell into it. It wasn't something like I set out to, yeah, I'm going to be a freelancer now. Um, you know, part of that was just the market and where the right. opportunities were. You know, it wasn't, I mean, we all know what, uh, you know, COVID aside, um, before this, you know, things are, they're tough in, in the media world. They're competitive. It's very tough. And it's, you know, I kind of, it sort of just snowballed with, with freelancing. And it was like, you know, you want to cover a football game? Okay, sure. And, you know, the more you meet people and talk to people and, you know, do some work, you know, the more opportunities kind of come up. So it's, that that's what's been fun for me is kind of getting to cover a, a variety and, you know, cover things like, like tennis and, you know, swimming, I think is, is kind of fun. It's a sport that maybe not a lot of people know about or watch other than maybe the Olympics, but it's, that's a really fun, fun yeah. atmosphere too. Oh, I bet it's um, crazy loud in there and tense. Yeah, it's it can get pretty loud. It's, it's nice when I cover the, the boys state swimming, cause that's in, early March. So a lot of times it's, you know, still freezing outside and you go in there and you could, you know, it's all human. You can be wearing shorts if you want. Like it's, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's pretty fun. And some of those races get, um, pretty intense. A lot of, you know, records fall sometimes. So it's, um, yeah, that, that's a fun one. Well, I made some lists of some state high school recent, and I love these recent ones because they're so uh, clear in my memory. Uh, some recent state boys and girls high school tournament games that you've covered. We're going to go in chronological order because i got a 15 and two 17s, so 18s. And actually, the girls are the most recent ones, so let's go boys and the girls. So boys, 2015 uh, Duluth Dina, you covered that one. That was one of your first tournaments you boys or girls high school tournaments you covered what were you thinking where did you think at some point during the duluth east edina game are all the games this exciting or did you know it was a pretty special night <laughs> um i could you know going throughout the game i could just the the electricity in the building i think is what what got to me with with the fans and the atmosphere because you know you I mean, obviously, I'd watch the tournaments on TV growing up, right. and you know, you you hear about the the games being sold out and and all that. And but that was a game you could, you know, I just I felt the intensity uh, of the crowd, and it was just so fun to be a part of that atmosphere. It was one of the most exciting atmospheres I think I've I've been a part of. Um, just to to be there and, and witness that and see see too how the crowd kind of turned and we're um supporting you know duluth, duluth east, east. And, it, and it wasn't just people from duluth or, or up north um no you know, that's what was really fun too yeah it was lakeville north and eden prairie were the next game and wow the those two fan bases just jumped on the wagon and, and rode it all the way to the end it was it was uh, some of the most exciting things I've seen, and it wasn't even a championship game. It was a semifinal game, and right. it's nothing I've ever seen before. Uh, okay, right. let, let's go to another one. Talk about a, a, the building momentum in, in a game. One of those. Where were you when you were when that happened? It's the the Hermantown uh, Monticello. God, I got to get them all right. Uh, Monticello, Annandale, Maple Lake, right? Mammal uh, play yeah. a game. Yep. And they're unrated. I mean, they were unseated team, Mammal. Um, to, and to get all the way into the championship game, um, coming through sections, and then to give them a scare. What were, where, where were you? What was going through your head when this, is, this game was being played? 
for me, I think it was fun to, uh, again, to see the fans and the community support they had. And I know it was, you know, a few, few high schools kind of coming together for that co-op program, but you know, for the, for the class A tournament, it's not quite the same draw as the double A where they're completely packing the house and, and it's played at um, noon too. So it's just right. not yeah. the most convenient time to go to a hockey game. So that's, yeah. a, I, I just want to say if it was, that thing was played on a Saturday night, there'd be a lot more people there. Yeah, I've definitely gotten used to the 4 and 7 um, that they started doing with the girls' tournament, the right. 4 p.m. Love it. Um, which I think the last couple of years I had to remind myself, be like, oh, yeah, the boys' game is at noon. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think just the the crowd in that one throughout the state tournament um, for, for Mammal was, was really fun to see. And then the way the finish to that championship game played out where <laughs> – there was a goal, Scar, we all thought it was a goal. There was a celebration, you know, the typical, the gloves and sticks go flying. And then they reviewed it and called it back. Yeah, and, it was insane. Um, w- were you, know, you in so the press box the when that happened? Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah. Uh, I'll never, I was shooting photos. And I ran back uh, to, to get the photo, you know, processed because it was the game-winning goal and i get halfway back to the press box right by the elevator and some guy goes they called it off i'm like called what off I'm like the goal i'm like oh no and i'd run back the other yeah. way and get back in my position to shoot continue shooting the game it was just i just yeah. remember them trying to pick up all their stuff right finding their right, stick well, and their gloves and it was insane yeah i, mean, I don't d- i don't know i don't know if i'd ever seen that before i mean it's no you know it was just and and you know the replay review stuff has you know, is still relatively new in in the state tournament too. I I forget exactly when they implemented some of that stuff, but you know, I mean, a decade ago or a few years ago, I mean, that wouldn't have even been an issue. It oh. would have been, oh, that that's Game a goal. Over. It's um, over. So yeah, I, I think it would have been really interesting to see um, to see the the game finish the other way to have you know, Mammal kind of completes the oh. the upset and to have them win. I mean, that would have been just, that's what I was kind of waiting for. You yeah, know, you are. You definitely it's like are. Because it's like that team that scores at the end of regulation to tie it up and they then they have win, the momentum right? going into overtime. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, about 12 hours before that finish or whatever, you know, 24 hours before that finish, you get the, uh, uh, the Casey Middlestat uh, losing to Grand Rapids, uh, and and everything that unfolded in for Casey in that twenty four hours was something you haven't seen in a long time. Where he he gets the cry right, so he cries after the game, and the the camera's just right in his face, right. Um, and then you get the um, no-show to the all-tournament team, and he doesn't come to the press conference after. So, I mean, so a lot of little things happen to this guy. He goes from, you know, you know dar- media darling to media grouch in, like, 24 hours. What, as, as a reporter, what are you thinking when this is all going down? Yeah, that was uh, – I just I, – I remember that press conference. I remember – Lee Smith coming in and um, saying that, you know, Casey was taking some extra time with, with his teammates. Yep. Um, but then later, so we didn't have a, a player comment from Ian Prairie, but then later that night, Casey had posted, you know, kind of a long one of those notes, you know, yep. on, on Twitter, yep. which kind of blew up. And so it was a chance for him to, I guess, collect his thoughts that way. Um, you know, from the media perspective, it was like, well, 
you know, you could have talked to us and we could have, you know, written that and um, covered it that way. Obviously, I have the, you know, I'm a member of the media, so that's what I would have um, preferred to to see happen. But it was just interesting to see how that played. Because a lot of those, you know, I think people don't necessarily realize a lot of those press conferences with the losing teams and, you know, not just a championship game, but, you know, the semis too. Um, there's, you know, a lot of players that get up there and I, you know, they're, they're up there crying. I mean, they're up there upset. They're frustrated. Their, their season, um, you know, is over or they're going to go play in the, you know, the third place game, which you right. know, a lot of teams don't really want to be in. Um, you know, so I, I give all those athletes credit who, you know, go through that because it's not, it's not like it's fun for us either as reporters to sit there and try and ask questions. I mean, we, we understand, obviously it's, it's a tough deal. Um, But yeah, it was interesting how that all played out. Cause obviously, you know, Casey, I think one of the things he wrote too is about coming back to, you know, obviously with the goal of winning a state tournament and playing another season with, with his buddies, which I think is, is so important for a lot of Minnesota kids that they don't, you know, for so many of them that they don't want to go and, you know, leave early or, you know, play juniors or whatever, because they, the state tournament means so much and playing with their friends who they grew up with means so much. So, you know, I, I think that's, and then to have that kind of end the way it did, you know, there's obviously frustration and, and sadness. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's switch gears to the girls as we wrap up the show here. Uh, the 2018 Breck World overtime win for Breck was that was an epic game. Uh, so much drama back and forth uh, between kind of the 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 Metro All Stars of the Breck Mustangs playing against the the little darlings of of uh, of Warroad. What's going through your head? What's what's the story that's that you, that you're writing in your head while you're watching this game? And this was the the 2018. The 2018, the one that ended in the, overtime. Yeah. I think it yeah. was Sadie Sadie Lindsay had the game winner, I believe. Yep. Yeah, and that was um, Sadie Lindsay. It's you know she'd been, she's kind of a, a clutch player for them. I had I've covered the Breck section final for the past um, three or four years now, and I think it was I'm trying to remember if it was I, I think it was that year she she scored the the winner in overtime in the section final, right. and you know talking with her coach like she just kind of has this knack for. Um, you know, kind of coming up big in, in those big moments. And, you know, Breck, obviously they, you know, girls hockey, they have a stacked roster kind of every year. Um, you know, they have these great players and they graduate and, and we're come in um, to kind of fill their, fill their space. But um, to see that game kind of back and forth, um, I think it was, it, that was a much more exciting game than I think the one last year kind of got out of hand a little bit with some, yeah you know, Brett kind of poured it late. on a little bit yeah, late. late. Um, but yeah, that, that one was, was, was kind of fun to see. But yeah, Breck has created their, their own little, their powerhouse for, for girls hockey. And it's, um, you know, some of those section finals, it's just kind of like, man, this is a section final. This is, yeah, you know, it's they're, far they're, from just, they're so dominant, but you know, I know this year there was the talk of however many D one players they had on the roster. And, um, you know, you could tell too in the state tournament, it was business as usual for them. Like they were there to, to win, you know, win another title. And, yes. Yeah. I know that was probably the, this is probably the easiest state title win for just about any team in, in girls class, a hockey or class double a for that matter. 
Very dominant team. So moving forward, we have Brainerd Edina. This is the Olivia King near uh, robbery of Edina. She just played her her heart out that week that that weekend. Really, I mean, she just kind of came out of nowhere. What what did you know about Olivia King coming into the state tournament? Probably as much as I did. Not very much. Yeah, I didn't know know very much at all about her. And and actually, the thing that stands out to me more of you know, of course, growing up from, you know, going to Andover was the, um, cause we all got the Andover Dyna final this year in girls hockey. Yeah. I didn't get it last year. It could have been last year. Yeah. It was, um, you know, Andover losing in, in overtime, um, in the semi. And I think that's obviously what made me take notice. Be like, Oh, okay. This, um, they have got quite the talented team and yeah, Olivia King just playing phenomenal in, in that tournament. Yeah, she was something else, and we had it. We gave her our uh, girls' goalie of the year award, and I'm expecting like you know, uh, you know, I don't know what I was expecting from a goalie. Goalies just they they seem at least on the guy side they're a little bit off, right? Nope, she was funny. She was not off at all. She was bright and intelligent and and committed and and just you know dream child right and and she says to me she whispers it's just she's walking out the door after the award she goes i think i'm gonna go division one but i can't tell you yet and that's then she left i'm like what she's I'll, I'll, I'll call you in a week and sure enough yeah. six days later I'm going to the University of Minnesota. You want to post that on your website for me? And I'm like, sure, I'd love to. So yeah. <laughs> literally like a week later after our awards ceremony, three, four weeks after the state tournament, she committed to the Gophers. And a lot of that happened right in front of our in front of our eyes at that state sure. girls yeah. tournament. So I love that story. I just love that, you know, you can still get a, a, divi- a high Division One scholarship with a great performance at the state tournament. Um, last one, Edina Andover, uh, your alma mater. I, I'm guessing you, as a journalist, you weren't cheering at all uh, on that <laughs> Saturday night when, when Andover beat Edina, but maybe below the desk you had a, a fist pump or two. Yeah, you know, there was, I well, despite being warned multiple times, by, uh, <laughs> jokingly. Sarcastically, by, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, by some of my other, other colleagues in the, in the press docs. Um, yeah, no, I, I definitely kept it cool. Um, and definitely, you know, there's that separation between your, your writing, obviously, to, you know, certainly be, be objective. Um, definitely different writing than I did, you know, in I sent some texts. I was texting with my mom who was watching and, you know, some other people and, you know, there's some, a little more excitement there. Cause this, um, cause for Andover, what was exciting is, I mean, it's the first state t- state team title um, right. for, for the school. So that's what was really exciting too. Is, is this that their first like, team title as a school in ge- overall? Like they didn't have yeah. a soccer or gymnastics yeah. or volleyball. I, I believe really. it was. I, I, oh, I that's even cool. Yeah, that's really I cool. I couldn't find anything else. Um, otherwise, yeah, if there was, I I don't recall what it would be. Um, but but yeah, so that's that's the other thing that kind of made that so fun. And and over, I mean, early on they had you know some good basketball teams that went to state and volleyball had gone to state. But um, you know, even reaching a championship game, I don't think could happened happened before maybe um and, and getting not and getting to the championship was no easy task i mean right they basically yeah. stole the semifinals from minnetonka late in the game right they absolutely did i you know a lot of times 
you know, especially if you're on deadline writing, I'll have kind of two versions of a story written um, or even just kind of backstory, just things kind of filler things I can use based on, you know, the result going either way. And I was certainly ready. I had a Minnetonka, you know, win story all ready to go, um, you know, and kind of, you know, once they got to overtime too, I had it, I kind of had the storyline in mind, you know, the second in a row for Andover losing in overtime in the semifinal. And just to see, you know, that game just change uh, on a dime and for Andover to really, you're absolutely right, steal, steal that one. And I don't and, mean like, you know. illegally steal it. They just they right, just took right. it away from them. But you know, yeah. I mean, it was you know. So going from that really great semifinal game to then having the Edina Andover matchup in the championship that everyone kind of you know obviously on paper you look at the seeds and you look at the rankings. Um, you know, to see that and to know that Edina has this run of state championships and this winning streak too. You know, their loss their losses last season were you know, two losses to Andover in the season opener and in the season state finale. You know, so... I, I interviewed uh, Sammy Reber. I go, do you think that's ever happened before a team loses the first game to the state champion and then loses again and but wins everyone? She goes, no. And I, I challenge anybody to find that in, in, in the record books for any sport. Yeah. It just seems right. almost impossible to pull off. Yeah, and it was... I mean, it was such it's such a good game too. I, I don't think yeah. it was a disappointment. And even you know, you look at the way that game started. What you know, because Edina had the five on three and scored, took that quick two nothing lead, I believe. And mm-hmm. you know, so right away I was You're thinking, thinking it's okay. over. Start writing the story, yeah. right? I'm like, Four oh man, this is, uh, <laughs> this is not the uh, not a good start <laughs> um, for for the Andover side. So no. um, you know, to see them just kind of brush that off and and come back and to to get the title after I mean what could be a deflating way I mean you know if that's another team that who knows I mean you have another team that's maybe not as talented or you know you see Dino over there with their championships and they just went up on you two nothing super quick you know with their five on three and it's like well geez like <laughs> you know for them to continue and to realize hey there's obviously still a lot of time left in this game to come yeah. back with them was pretty cool. And they were just so driven. They were just so driven. Yeah. Andover was. You just could see the momentum. And, and from the second period on, I was like, I don't think they're going to lose. It's just kind of just feel it. Feel it in the right. rink. Feel it in the, the body of work that they had accomplished yeah. during that game, those those and, last two games for sure. And they had the, the shutout streak going too. I think even in the section playoffs, it was like they Andover. had – yeah, yes. they had, it was like 37-0 and 0 or something before I think Minnetonka had scored a goal in the semi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that was what was cool, too, is um, Andover's goaltender, um, Pelkey, because she had yep. been a backup yeah. um, the past few years. And so for her to come in, you know, this year and kind of take over the way she did was um, Yeah, she had a great season. Cool too. There was a lot of great stories in girls' hockey this year, and we were, you and I were able to see both sides, the boys and the girls. Uh, it was a fun, it was a definitely a great season. I, I had a great time talking with you today on the show. As part of the show, you'll get a gift from the Minnesotan sent to you. Uh, thanks to the Minnesotan again for their sponsorship of today's show. Make sure you stop by and check it out. My good friend John King says it's the best sh- shop in the world. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Hopefully we can see you guys around the rink soon.